What up, Oasis people? <laughs> you came in aggressive. I did. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was not ready. You're not ready for, for this? Your, for your level. I, I'm ready for this. Wow. I'm not ready for you. <laughs> Just blowing some people's speakers out this yeah. morning. Yeah. What Sorry. Up? Welcome, Apologies. camera people. Uh, second time with the video. Round two. Yeah. Still getting used to Let's it. See how we go. But I'm excited. I watched the one from the other day. Just watched us. Last it's week. It's weird. It's something yeah. different about hearing it versus watching it. Mm. I just wanted to see what it's like. Yeah. You know? I wanted to see the people on it. Yeah. See what they look like. <laughs> see if the, the pictures in my head. Finally know what we look like. Yeah. yeah. I had a conversation with someone who was like, yeah, I listen to it all the time, so it's weird to kind of sit here and be talking to you. I was like, that is so weird, but I get it. You know, I'm so, with that yeah. other people, especially when you listen to them a lot, you don't really know what they look like. And you, you make it up in time, your mind, yeah. And you're like, are you serious? They really look That's like that? That's what you look like? Yeah. So now you can see what we look like on YouTube or... Uh, Somewhere else. I don't know. If, maybe it's only on YouTube. Just YouTube. There you go. Find <laughs> us on YouTube. Otherwise, the there podcast is on all places podcasts are streamed. So that's good. But Dylan's got a question for us. You start us off, my man. Yeah, so what's the last question that tripped you up? As in like... Hmm. Full out stumped. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Oh like, like a Christianity question. Sure. Okay. What do you think? You got one? Well, I was going to go with more of like a funny one. I wasn't stumped, but I didn't know how to respond. Oh, but yeah, that yes. too. Yep. Let's, Let's go for that, that one. Okay, yeah. go for that. Yeah. Okay. I think and it's probably still one of the funniest questions I've ever gotten. We were at middle school camp, and I was sitting next to a middle school girl in the sermon, and the preacher was reading something from the Old Testament, and it mentioned the word circumcision. And she leaned over to Be- me, and she said, what's circumcision? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how to respond to this right now in this moment while we're listening to a sermon. Is it my place to tell you? Do I need to tell you? Go ask your parents. I don't know. What so did I, you do? I think I just said it was an Old Testament ritual that like represented like relationship with God or being That's part good. of God's chosen people. That's so good. I was like, I'll leave it at that. Oh, that is. <laughs> you don't oh, need to get into the, the anatomy process. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. And if then in out. that same message later, he mentioned the word pornography, and she asked me what that was, and I was like, I can't. I'm no. done. You need to stop preaching because oh. if there's a third question, I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Two is enough. Two, <laughs> Two is, is enough. Like, that's oh, it. <laughs> that's good. Dylan, you got one? Ooh, let me think about it. Go for it. Okay. Um, for me, it was just yesterday. Someone asked me a question at one of our leadership meetings. They said, hey, we were reading through, I think they were reading through Matthew, and they saw Jesus' baptism. And they were mm-hmm. like, the Spirit descends like a dove onto Jesus, one of my favorite passages of text. I've said it all the time. And they said, is that the first time Jesus got the Holy Spirit? Mm. And I was like, no, I know that's not true. Yeah. But I didn't have like a, a great biblical backing for okay, here is when Jesus got the Holy Spirit. And hmm. so I started to explain to him that, yeah, it was just uh, like symbolic. Like Jesus had the Holy Spirit. That's how he lived the first 30 years of his life perfect. Because without the Holy Spirit, without the yeah. help of God, we live in our flesh broken and we have the sin nature. And Jesus debatedly didn't have a sin nature, but he did have the Holy Spirit. And so then I did some research today and I got back to her and John 1 talks about how he had the whole, uh, an, un, an un, uh, undermined, that's not the word I'm looking for, he didn't, uh, <laughs> I'm stuck. what's the it. word? It's the word. He had all the Holy Spirit he needed. That's essentially okay. what he sa- it says in John 1. And it talks about how the priests would have this ritual they would go through when they turned 30 and began their priestly duties where they would get washed with water and then anointed with oil. Mm-hmm. So Jesus' baptism is this mm-hmm. symbolic thing where he becomes like the priest where he's washed with water and anointed mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. So I was like, that's cool. There I learned you. something from their question. So Love I knew that. the answer, but I didn't know how to explain but you, yeah. it. It's tough. That's good. Mine's a lot less serious than yours. Um, it's a good old question of, do Adam and Eve have belly buttons? That's a great that question. That stumped you, huh? For sure. 
See, I don't get it. I don't get the debate. Why would they not? I know that they didn't come from no umbilical cord. Yeah. I mean, but why would they? That's that's because the debate. That's it, it's like, why would they not? But also, why would they? Because it, it can go either way. I feel like they had to. <laughs> Anyways, keep Sorry us rolling. Question. What else is next? All right. So the reason we asked um, these questions, and we always start with a question, is because the topic that we're talking about today is apologetics. So um, apologetics is the reasoned arguments or writings in justification of something, which is typically a theory or religious doctrine. So, Brennan, you want to hit us with the... Normal people. Oh, version of that. the Oxford words. <laughs> really, apologetics is um, answering questions and defending what you believe. So you can use it in a religious sense. So when we answer questions to people who who are questioning Christianity and who have some tough questions, and it's standing in the gap and defending it and answering biblically, or it could be used in other ways. Like you can have sports apologetics or different mm-hmm. things where it's like I'm just defending my sports team. So really, it's just giving a defense for some of the things you believe. Yeah. <clears throat> But where does it come from? Where does that word come from? So the word um, comes from the Greek language. It's a word called apologia. This simply just means an answer given in reply. Um, so kind of that's where you can get a biblical religious apologetics or you can get a sports apologetics. For sure. The word is kind of generic, open to any of that mm-hmm. kind of questioning mm-hmm. in reply. For sure. Here's the big question. Should we practice it? Should we practice apologetics? Yeah. Jenny, what do you think? Yes. Why? That's it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yes. There's, um, yeah, quite a few reasons, but probably the biggest one that we would um, stand behind is that we are meant to share the gospel. We are called and commissioned through the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, to go and make disciples, to um, share the gospel to those around us um, that they can come to know Christ. And part of that process is apologetics, is answering those questions, um, having that understanding for ourselves as well. Um, Brennan, you have, or Brennan, Dylan, you had this like super cool analogy you were telling us about earlier. Yeah, so it's can called the like, treasure chest yeah. um, explanation. So it kind of explains apologetics in the way of like, you got this sweet treasure map and you get to go find this big old buried treasure with tons of gold, everything you could ever imagine. At the end of the rainbow? Yes. With <laughs> That's a lep- pot of gold. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Same thing, wrong Lucky story. Charms. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you're trying to convince your best friend that, hey, you should like come along and come find this pot of gold with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> treasure chest. Treasure chest. Sorry, treasure chest. Um, yeah, you got to go find this treasure chest full of tens of gold, but like your best friend has like some, eh, like, I don't know. This is like halfway across the world. You know, I don't really know where we're going, if this is totally safe. So you're trying to convince them like, hey, there's this treasure that's really, really worth it. And we need to go. Mm-hmm. So it kind of lines up along with, you know, apologetics. So. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, the story is essentially just, like, this emphasis on how good the gospel is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet along the way, there's people who are going to have questions on, like, what's this life-changing news? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to be able to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Because when we go and we share the gospel, one of the things that, I mean, it's the command of Jesus that we are supposed to be going, making disciples, teaching them to obey the things that he's asked us to do. And so when that happens, people are bound to have questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the For life sure. of, that Jesus is inviting us into is one where we deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him. That's a life of whole total surrender. Mm. And so if someone doesn't have questions, if they're not, if they're like all in on first pitch, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's, that, that's great. But... Praise God. But most people are not going to yeah. be all yep. in right away. And so they're going to have these questions. And that's where first Peter three fifteen comes in and it answers really beautifully. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, 
Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so Peter is teaching. He's telling us that when people come with questions, we got to have answers. Mm-hmm. we got to be prepared to give them an answer for the hope that we have. And this text is specifically rooted back in that gospel message, that when they ask about that hope, the, the future uh, that we have in Jesus, that's what you need an answer for. He's not explicitly saying here, hey, when they ask you where dinosaurs went, that you have to have an answer to that. <laughs> yeah. That's not what Peter's talking about. But when it comes to the core of apologetics, sharing the gospel, defending mm-hmm. the gospel, yeah. answering these big questions about Jesus and theology and God, it becomes, yeah, we need to have a, an answer for that. and We need to say it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so, then, oh, go for it. I was going to say, yeah, so we would say, yes, the answer is should, to should we practice apologetics is yes. But there's also probably a reality that sometimes the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Unpack that. Why would the answer be no? Yeah. This one I wrestle with because it becomes, from, I think it comes from like a broken definition of apologetics. Yeah. Mm-hmm that people get too far into the weeds and they lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing when practicing apologetics. That instead of having a heart to advance the kingdom and build build the kingdom and advance the gospel, they do it with a heart to debate, to have prideful victories, to to overcome other people in Mm. intellect and different things like that. And so we go down these crazy tangents of random discussions that Mm -hmm. yeah maybe have some weight but we'll put so much stock in them yeah and that's where i feel like apologetics really loses what it's supposed to be yeah like one of the ways that c.s lewis in his book mere christianity talks about in the in the first book because it's divided technically into like three different books but in the first book he talks about how when we're dealing with non-christians and we're interacting with them one of the things we should do is we should stick to the basics of christianity it's why he wrote well technically spoke the book and then it was written into mere Christianity. When he does that, he's just trying to get the basics across because for us to wade into some of the nitty-gritty and the details and the nuance and the confusion, the gray mm-hmm. stuff of Christianity with people who don't even understand that Jesus loves them, yeah. that he died for them, that God is good, like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're just arguing with people who don't even understand the basics of what it means to interact with God. Yeah. So we got to stick to some of that first. Yeah. It'd be like trying to argue about what's inside the treasure chest with someone who's not on board mm-hmm. with even finding yeah. the treasure chest. Back to chest. the treasure chest. <laughs> what's in the pot of gold, yo? Get, what color's get... the rainbow? <laughs> okay. Well, we know that. <laughs> what if it's a special rainbow? Oh, I guess maybe a kid. It's like black and white rainbow. <laughs> I don't know. Does that even uh, work? I don't no. think so. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know I don't know science. So <laughs> Color theory. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but the cool thing about that is that not only does like C.S. Lewis give us this give us this command or this example, but also like Jesus kind of showed this and how he lived his life that there were so many times when he was uh, questioned by religious leaders and Pharisees and Sadducees about hard topics and they're trying to catch him in a lie and trying to find anything they can to discredit him. Mm-hmm. And Mark gives so many accounts of um just where Jesus gives the simple answers most of the time yeah. or sometimes skirts the answer yeah, for sure. altogether. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, he had this very clear mission of why yeah. he was here. Yeah. He was here to seek and to save the lost. He was here to preach the good news, this, this news of repentance that his are that he has come and he's, he's the Messiah. This is why Jesus was here. So when they would come an example, like Mark eight, Jesus has just fed the 4,000, which is different than him, the five loaves and the Mm -hmm. two fish. Like there's two different stories there. He feeds the 4,000 and they show up and they want him to do a miracle to prove who he is. (laughs) And it's like, do you guys not just, 
And so he swerves it, and he's like, no, this, sign, this generation won't get signs. And then two chapters later, they ask him a question about divorce. And he asks them in ret- uh, uh, another question back for them to state their opinion. And so mm-hmm. he gets into the discussion a little bit, but they state it. He clarifies where they're wrong. He fixes their mm-hmm. error, but he pretty much wraps up that conversation pretty quickly and moves on. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, they could have gone back and forth for forever, you would imagine. Mark 11, they come and they question him and they ask him about John's baptism. And he's like, okay, what do you believe about this? And they huddle up in their little group of Pharisees and they start to debate and they come back and they say, we don't know. And he says, I'm not going to continue this conversation with you. And Jesus just does this time and time again. Mark 12, they ask, should we give taxes to Caesar? Should we pay the tax to Caesar? Is that right? And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God's what is God's. And he ends the conversation there. Mm-hmm. And they're mind blown at his teaching and his ability to answer questions, but not get into these crazy mm-hmm. debates. Yeah. So I just, I, the example of him shows this just focus on the mission that, yeah, there's these nuances on taxes to pay and, and whose baptism is what and like all these miracles and, and, and teachings of the law. But the most important thing for him was the gospel. And he mm-hmm. kept coming back to it constantly. Yeah, yeah. And even go back to the parables too. Look at the way that like you share the truth through the parables. Mm-hmm. Like he was given crazy stories about, you know, these really, really important foundational things about the kingdom of heaven. And told the disciples straight up, he's like, I'm going to keep telling these stories and people aren't going to understand them, but the ones who truly know me will understand them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so what are some of these common pushbacks against Christianity that we might come to hear? I just want to rattle off a bunch sure, and maybe we'll nice. dive into some. So some of the ones that you might hear that are pretty common are, can I trust the Bible? Like, is the Bible authority? Is it true? Um, you can't scientifically prove God exists. Um, how could a good God allow so much suffering? Did Jesus really rise from the dead, or did he just pass out? I think that's so funny. Um, the idea that Christianity is a straitjacket, or that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites, um, or even that there's more than one way to heaven, that all religions are the same and they lead to the same place, or how could a loving God send people to hell? Um, and there's so many more than just that. I mean, we could spend another hour just (laughs) listing things probably. (laughs) And some of these, when they're asked with the right heart, aren't bad questions. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's That's where we get confused when it comes to apologetics or things like doubt is we get scared to ask questions because we don't want to pull threads. We don't want to poke holes. But strengthening our faith is going through the process of doubt. Mm, That true believers are people who doubt what they believe and then through the affirmation of the Holy Spirit and community through the Word of God grow Mm -hmm. in their faith. So if you're sitting here and you're like, yo, I I have some of those questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm struggling. Is the Bible really trustworthy? Like does science, can it line up with Christianity? Or like I have friends who are are Muslims or they're Hindus or they're, they're, they're Jewish. And are they going to hell? Based on Jesus, like, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like, that teaching seems pretty straight, but, like, I'm struggling with to, to reconcile mm-hmm. that with the people I know who seem to be good people. Yeah. And so if you're asking these questions, you're in a good spot. Yeah. But ask them in a way where you're l- trying to learn, trying to understand, not in a way that's trying to, to diminish or, like, mm-hmm. just find falsehood, you know, because yeah. there's very different demeanors to the way we ask those for questions. For sure. For yeah. sure. So let's dive into two of those. Um Start with the first one. How could a good God allow so much suffering? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? What do you think? You want me to go? Go for it. All right. Um, so I'll start with a little backstory. Uh, yesterday I took the day off of work. I told these two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a day 
of grieving for me because I lost a buddy a year ago on yesterday. And so I took the day off and many people probably don't even know this, but a year ago to almost the day, it was the 24th, I preached a message at Oasis that was, is God good? And that was the day that I had actually found out that my buddy had passed away. And so I stood up on that stage that night and preached a message in the face of probably the deepest sadness and grief I've ever experienced. And I thought there was such a a beauty in that, that even when I was suffering so bad in my heart and in my hurt, I still got Mm -hmm. to preach this message that God was good. And there's been probably four or five times since then where I've gone back and rewatched that message Mm because I needed the encouragement. And so yesterday when I took the day off to kind of be with God and just to pray and to grieve and to go through those things, I watched the message again because I just sat there and I just needed to be reminded that God is good in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of evil. He is good. And so some of the things that I said a year ago in that message Mm -hmm. were ringing true for me today. Like when you look at the Genesis account and how God made the creation, that he made it perfect. He made Mm -hmm. it good. There was nothing wrong with it. And the one slight tweak he saw of Adam being alone, he fixed it. Like he gave him Eve and he made it a perfect again. And so then in Genesis 3, you see, we mess it up. Adam and Eve eat and they don't believe God. They don't trust God. In their pride, they take the fruit and they eat and everything breaks. It all falls apart and that's where brokenness comes in. And so in that sermon, I just kind of talked about how one of the things we struggle to do is we look at the broken creation and we see all the stuff around us that happens. Mm -hmm. And we look back to the creator and we say, well, you did it wrong. There's no way you can be good. But yet the broken creation, when we look at it, points more to the people who broke it than it does to the creator. That really when we trace it back, when we look for the origin of where this, this problem came from, it didn't come from God. It came from man. It came from the serpent, the evil one who was in the garden, who was taking mm-hmm. that lie. And so the brokenness speaks more of our brokenness than it does of God's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we can continue to look through the biblical account of how God constantly tried to fix it. He tried yeah. to fix it through the law. He gave us a way that he, that we, if lived perfectly, could from birth to life, from birth to death, if we lived the law, 613 laws perfectly, we could have right relationship with him. But we couldn't do that because of our sin nature. We were broken. Mm-hmm. And then when that didn't work, he gave us Jesus, his only son, that he loved us so much. He wanted everyone to have a relationship with us, with him, that he, he fixed it. And mm-hmm. through that, we can now believe in that. And then you can even look towards the end that right now, post the cross, we have Jesus and we have a hope of eternity in heaven, but we're still suffering here on earth yeah. and there's still hardship. But mm-hmm. as you read Revelation 21 and 22, or even the whole book of Revelation, you see this process where Jesus comes back and he renews all things and he conquers death for the final time and he, mm-hmm. he banishes Satan and he binds him and there's no victory for evil at all. And he brings back in Genesis, in Revelation 21 and 22, the new creation that is all perfect and, and the, the restored mm-hmm. Eden again. And so there's these bookends of God made it good and he is making it good. And while we live in this intermediate, there's this trust and this hope that we see that he's pursued us and we can trust that he will continue to do what he said he's done. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'd answer that question. But it's good. Yeah. No, I don't know that I have anything. That was good. (laughs) But I think people will still hop in there and they'll be like, but like my friend still died. Yeah. And like, wasn't that in God's plan? Yep. Was God okay with that? What do you guys think of that? Or like mm. how the Holocaust, like this Oof. is, I think, a really good human example. Yeah. yeah. Where millions of people were killed. Mm-hmm. And was God okay with that? How is God good? Like, okay, I understand that he sent Jesus. Like, I understand that he's coming back. But like, how can a good God be okay with that? What do you guys think? Dylan? 
Oh, man. Got any thoughts? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, my thoughts is knowing that because, like, through those hard times, like, that's the way that God has formed and shaped us. Like, mm-hmm. imagine, like, a life of building character where every single day was the best day you ever had. You'd change nothing because what do mm-hmm. we want to do when we're at that high mountaintop? We want to change nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if we continue in a lifestyle like that, there is no character development. Like, you don't grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And if you look back over any part of your life, just the part, the really, really hard parts, like you said, the parts where like you are the most broken is where you also find the most development. Mm-hmm. It's from out of those, you know, really, really dark valleys that, that we're brought to life, that yeah. we um, build up who we are as a person, who God desires us to be. We grow more, especially in Christ-likeness. We are on that journey of, sanct- of sanctification and grow in mm-hmm. holiness. Um, and so if God took away all of that right now, we'd just be the same people that we were before. We'd be the same broken people living in the, a good world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you're preaching James 1, 2, 2 and 3. Yeah. I mean, consider it pure joy when you go through suffering because you know it give, mm-hmm. uh, helps your faith to develop perseverance. And so, yeah, I see that. But, like, does it really need to happen that way? <laughs> Is that the only way? You know, like, how do we yeah. answer this question that God has, has allowed these things mm-hmm. to happen? I mean, it comes down to that God has given us a free will. It's yeah. the free will that gave Adam and Eve the opportunity, despite being an absolute perfection, being complete in and of themselves, being in perfect relationship with God, they still had the choice to choose something outside of God. Yeah. And that continues to to be the problem that we face. Um, and not all things that happen are like repercussions from sin or, you know, or generational sin or some of those things that some people want to say that it is, but the reality of a brokenness and everything can be traced back to something else. And I mean, we know that our separation break from God breaks the heart of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he, it's shown in his character all throughout the story of, of history in the Bible that God desires so greatly to be in relationship with us that he's literally extended himself over and over again and done so much to, to um, bridge that gap, but we still have the choice to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, as long as we have the choice, there will continue to be brokenness and there will continue to be bad things that happen to good people mm-hmm. and good things that happen to bad people. And it breaks the heart of God. Yeah. But to take away our free will would change the entire dynamic of what relationship looks like. Yeah. It's not relationship. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And he probably wouldn't be... Force loves not love. Yeah. The God that we know he is. Yeah. If we didn't have the choice. And that's where I, th- and we can answer this either question too, but I-, I was listening to this podcast the other day where they were talking about every apologetics cut question or every st- struggle or temptation can be traced back to a misbelief in God's character. Mm, yeah. yeah. So like if you're struggling with this question, how can God be good yet allow suffering? Like the heart of that question is we're just not trusting that God is good. Mm-hmm. And that's a, yeah. that's not trusting his character or the next one you're going to ask. Yeah. Christianity is a straitjacket. What do you have to say about mm-hmm. that? That's a lack of trust in God's character, that yeah. he loves us enough to protect us. You know, mm-hmm. we're believing that he doesn't really want what's good for us. Yeah. And so do you want to start? You want me to start? I can go for it. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. I think that the that question usually comes out of a recognition of, well, there's all these laws, these all these do's and don'ts of Christianity, and all it's trying to do is keep me in a straitjacket, keep me from living my life to the fullest or being free or X, Y, and Z or doing what I want to do. And yeah, it comes back to that core 
thing if we don't trust that God really wants the best for us and we don't trust that God has given us these laws or these expectations or these desires um, to follow him as a way for us to avoid the brokenness, to avoid the sin, the hurt, the shame, the guilt that we would experience if we stepped into whatever we wanted to. It's a means of protecting us. I kind of think of um, this is like an agricultural farming analogy that All right, let's probably go. a lot of people won't get. But when you are like herding animal animals, so cows or pigs or whatever, from like sure cats. I don't know. I've never tried. I've never really tried to herd significant amount of cats. I imagine never it would be anything hard. Anything in my life. But like if you're trying to say you're trying to load your cattle into a trailer, you create like a almost like a tunnel kind of a barriers mm-hmm. on the sides, and then people walk around with these like big square rectangle things and Riot kind of shields. create sort of I'm totally throwing you <laughs> off. You keep going. Sorry. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. trying to paint this picture, but to provide this kind of boundary that that shows and creates this perfect direction for these animals to yeah. go to get into that's the good. trailer for what they need. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of for me how I think about some of these laws or expectations that God has given us that they create these kind of like walls along the side of our path to help us to stay on the path. And so it's not that like if I if one of these walls would break, which sometimes happens when you're trying to like get an animal somewhere, yeah. they find the gap and they shoot the gap and they're gone and you have to hunt them down. But that makes it a lot harder for them to get to their final destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me personally, I've always loved that analogy to think about some of the laws and expectations that God has given us. Is that they're a means to guide and direct and help us step into what he wants for us, desires yeah. for us. I think it goes back to even the last pod- podcast where Ben asked if we like our freedom restricted. And the answer is yeah. no. Like, yeah. no person wants their freedom restricted. It's because we've bought this lie that true freedom is like ultimate, is, is mm. no limitations. Yeah. But that's not true. Like, I had a professor in seminary tell me once that the, the, the epitome of free will is being able to choose only that which is good for us. Mm. That really, we want to say at free will, like the, the epitome of it, the epitome of freedom is being able to choose anything. Yeah. Mm. But choosing that which is bad for you is, is not is not really good free will you know Mm -hmm. it's it should be the ability to choose only that which is good so god is working us back towards that when it comes to revelation and new heaven new earth yeah but right now we're in this period where we can choose good and bad yeah we can go between the two things and have you guys Mm -hmm. seen up yeah everybody needs to see up an incredible movie yeah so in up in the beginning when the guy uh he has his has his house that he built Mm -hmm. with his wife but they started to develop that huge apartment complex around him. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah. Where it's his only, he's only got the house left. So out front is this huge, busy street. And then all around him is this construction zone. Mm-hmm. So this, in my mind, plays the perfect example of what it means to live the Christian life. That there is a safe space right there in the mm-hmm. middle. But on the outside of that is a bunch of dangerous stuff. And yeah. so if he, if there's a fence around the guy in Ups, I don't remember his name. You guys remember the old Carl. Dudes? Carl. Yep. There's a Carl fence, Nelly. There's a fence around Carl's house that keeps things in. That's essentially God's law for us, that it keeps us in this safe zone. Because if there was no fence, you could wander into that dangerous construction Mm -hmm. site or you can wander into the busy road. And so those are the things like, hey, if there's no fence telling us we can't have sex with anybody we want, if there's no fence telling us that we should wait for marriage, if there's no sex telling us we shouldn't be prideful, or no, no sex, (laughs) no fence. Uh, (laughs) If if there is no fence telling us we shouldn't be prideful or Mm -hmm. or, or selfish, if there's no fence there, those things we can wander into and we can find incredible hurt there. Mm-hmm. And so God puts that at, around us, those protection barriers to keep us where, where we know is safe. But then the hard part is there can be dangerous inside the house too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like 
if see, maybe Carl puts in a nice pool in his backyard. <laughs> Sometimes you got to pull a fence even around the pool so that the little kids or the, the mm. dogs, have you ever seen a video where a dog falls in the pool and another dog rescues yeah, it? Yeah, they're like, so Let's funny, go! but cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like so awesome that they know how to save each other. But like you got to put a fence around the pool then. And mm. so people are like, oh my gosh, there's so many rules. Yeah. But it's because we live with all of these hazards around us that if you read the book of mm. Leviticus, one of the 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 first five books of the Old Testament that writes out almost all these 613 laws, you see, you can read it with this legalistic sense of, oh man, what a terrible life. What a straitjacket. They didn't have any freedom. Or you can put a new lens on how you're reading it and think, you know what? Look at all the things God was trying to teach them about. Look at all the Mm -hmm. things he was trying to protect them. That before they knew about germs, he was teaching them how to not, how to protect themselves from germs, Mm -hmm. where he was teaching them what was clean and what was unclean. He was teaching them not to eat meat with blood in it so that they wouldn't consume raw food. And so he had these protections that were showing up to help them. And so, Mm -hmm. man, to think of it as a straitjacket is, again, not to believe Mm -hmm. who God is. Yeah. Yeah. That when he made Eden, he made it so that we could experience all of what he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. That in John ten ten, Jesus came to give us life to the what? Fullest. Full, abundant, extraordinary, incredible life. Like that's the promise of scripture. Mm-hmm. That the Christian life, it shouldn't be a straitjacket. If it's a straitjacket for you, come talk to us because yeah. we will help open it up to all that God has <laughs> wanted it to be. That's it. That's, that's all good. I got. That's so good. Incredible. If you feel like you're wearing a straitjacket, it's probably Satan's straitjacket. For not God's. sure. <laughs> that's a word. Hear that. <laughs> Stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> yes, let's go. All right, so we got a little bit into apologetics, but now how do we do it? So how is whoever's listening to this podcast, how do they act this out? How do they practice apologetics? What do they got to do? I find one of the the most fundamental things you can do is you just have to study scripture. You have to become incredibly acquainted with the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That most of these questions become... If they're not, if they're the central doctrine questions, then read through the gospel, see who Jesus is, and, and start to really memorize who he is. But some of the nuanced ones, like they're nitpicking at like one or two verses here and there. Mm-hmm. So for us to understand those, like we have to really know the scripture. We got to know it for, for what it is. And the best way to do that is to study it consistently over a long period of time. Yeah. That you're not going to wake up tomorrow and sit there and read Genesis through Revelation and have it all memorized. It's not how it works. Cool though. It would be cool. Yeah. You could do that. You could yeah. sit there. Like, that would you guys, take a long have you guys time. seen Gilmore Girls? No. No. Nope. Oh. I know. I always think about it. I should watch it, but I just have I watched it with time. my wife, and I know it's called Gilmore Girls, but it's good. And so <laughs> when I was watching it, there's a story in there. There's one of the characters. He reads the Bible all night long in order to try to get this girl, which is hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you just consistently wake up, or throughout your day, spend time in God's Word reading a chapter or two chapters or two verses. And if you do that over a long period of time, you will grow in depth of knowledge of the Word, and that will help you in your apologetics. Mm-hmm. What else? Even outside of, so maybe if someone's reading it, but they're like, I don't understand. Yeah. How do we help them? It's okay to find resources, use resources, whether that's a biblical commentary, uh, whether you have a study Bible that gives them in depth, whether you... Um, have people in your life that you can go to and ask and say, hey, what does this mean? How do I figure out what this word is or the context of this? Like, use your resources. Like, it, that's okay. I think sometimes people need to hear that. Like, they're like, okay, I have to read my Bible, just me and my Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's okay to seek the wisdom and the insight and the study of those who've come before you, who've For put sure. time and effort into mm-hmm. it. Um, and so a couple books that you, even we would recommend 
um, that we've just jotted, jotted down are um, Reasons for God by Timothy Keller is a great one. Um, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, and then Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis that we already talked about. Yeah, those four are just like good elementary apologetics books. They're going to walk through some of the discussion on some of these gray nuanced or even just the central doctrines of Christianity and help you have a robust knowledge of what it means to defend your faith. Yeah, and even, so I read Reasons for God over this summer, and the the common pushbacks of Christianity that I listed um, all came from that book. Mm -hmm. And he takes seven chapters, it's 14 chapters. The first seven tackle the viewpoint of the person asking the question of, you know, what's all the evidence that, you know, these people can have these, you know, thoughts of like, can I trust the Bible? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Are Christians just a bunch of hypocrites? Stuff like that. But he takes the last seven and he flips it and he looks at it from, okay, here's the way that like these are like disproven or whatever. And he does it from a very logical sense. Like he's not going to throw a ton of scripture at you. Like, he's just going to do it, like, just think about it. Like, think about it logically. Like, God gave you a mind with reason. Like, use it. And he uses it beautifully through this book. So, for sure, that's a, that's my top pick. Yeah. Otherwise, when it comes to apologetics, we have to be incredibly prayerful. Yep. Yeah. That we have to be seeking the Father, knowing his heart, trying to listen to his voice. And then when we do that, you should be able to step into con- uh, to conversations with a humble, loving confidence that really... We're there in order to love and to serve people, mm-hmm. to help them, not to, to beat them in conversations or debate. And so there's a humility about that, that we don't know everything. Yeah. And so you might get stuck in a conversation or with a question that you don't have an answer to. Yeah. And so that's where the mm-hmm. humbleness comes in, but then just this love, but also confidence that you have God with you and you can answer some questions. Yeah. I think another thing I'd add to with resources is that goes with prayerfully and humbly is don't be afraid to check your resources. Mm-hmm. Like it could be easy to just Google like, For sure. is the Bible real mm-hmm. and start looking through whatever is there. But is the person that wrote that credible? What, like, who are they? What do they believe? Are they, you know, um, actually knowledgeable in this? Or are they just a random person that wrote a blog? Mm-hmm. You know? So, and then the same thing with the maybe personal people you ask in your life, like don't just go ask your random roommate, but, Go ask a spiritual leader in your life, uh, whether that's a pastor or a lay person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check your resources and be prayerful in that too, because um, it can be really easy to go online and find what you want mm-hmm. to support your view rather than truth. Some of my favorite meetings have been someone comes and they've got a list of questions and they just want to they just want to banter, just yeah. figure out. And some of the questions I'm like, you know what? I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. let's find it together. Let's learn together. But some of it's like, hey, I, I've been there. I've asked that question. I've gotten yeah. some answers for you. And so I've loved that as a pastor when people have come to me with specific questions on like this doctrine or this thing. Mm-hmm. Like That's a great resource. Yeah. Helps sharpen my skills. Yeah. yeah but good. also, how do we do it reliant on the Holy Spirit? Mm. If we talk great, about great doing it question. prayerfully, how do we rely on the Holy Spirit through mm-hmm. that moment? Yeah, we know the Holy Spirit to be our greatest advocate, our greatest helper. And so Luke 12 is a passage that... That can teach into this way. So in verse 8, it says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And whoever speaks a word against the Holy, the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Whole another conversation. We'll get into that some other time. But then verse 11 says, when, we were brought before, when you are brought before synagogue rulers... 
synagogues, rulers, and authorities. Do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And I love and dislike (laughs) this passage of Scripture. I love it because the first part tells us that, yes, we're going to have to publicly stand before people and claim faith. Like, that is a reality of what it means to follow Jesus. That when someone comes and they start asking you tough questions, you have to claim what you believe. That's part of what it means to love Jesus. The part I don't always love about this is the misuse of verses 11 and 12 that talk about our reliance on the Holy Spirit as some too often will use it as an excuse to be ignorant. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. we'll step into conversations where woefully unprepared, where we are uneducated, and we'll just be like, I'm just going to trust the Spirit, open my mouth and see what comes out. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, very, very dangerous and can hurt people more than it helps people. And so, yeah, there's moments where there's like, you ask for Holy Spirit guidance, you pray, and then you respond, and you're like, oh, man, that was cool. Like, I don't know, like, even, like, I've had those moments where you're like, dang, that sounded good, and, like, I don't know if that was necessarily from me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. Trust God in that. But don't just start spewing any yeah. kind of idea yep. you have out of your head <laughs> and think it's the Holy Spirit. That's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And part of relying on this Holy Spirit is doing the work to be knowledgeable. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just, a yeah, that cop-out of, well, the Spirit's going to lead, so yeah. I'll just sit back and <laughs> yeah i think a lot of that leading comes from okay trusting the holy spirit that in that time that you had spent mm-hmm. consistently in the word that he yeah. also provided the mm-hmm. the understanding and you know the intimacy of you in the word of mm-hmm. being able to know it well um to be able to go into a conversation actually yeah. knowing what you're talking about cool well let's wrap Super this up yeah, what are, what are final tips for this guy yeah don't be afraid to say i don't know like you just said you know it's extremely humble to be able to say that yeah. um like you have to be super, super mature just to be a, go up to someone, especially, I don't want to say it if it's a more hostile conversation, but if there's a lot of pressure on you in that conversation, that it's like, oh, you need to know this, like, I want to know the answer right now, or, you know, whatever it may be. But, like, if you just say, I don't know, like, it also can be an invitation to a longer conversation. You can yeah. be like, you know what, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I care enough about you. Like, let's go get coffee sometime. Let's figure it out together. Because then not only does it show your love through your actions to that person, but it also just provides another opportunity for you to learn yourself. Mm-hmm. Like not only do you get to help and lead someone else in, in their understanding and their faith, but it also like, mm-hmm. builds you up as well. Yeah, for sure. Super. Good. Yeah. Another one would be to be passionate, but don't be emotional. And we don't always do a very good job of mm-hmm. differentiating the two. Um, but I like to think sometimes of as passionate of being a combination of the heart and the mind, the intellect. And so to be passionate is to say, I'm confident and I know what I'm doing and God's working and I feel passionate about it. So I may have heightened emotions about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not dictated and driven by my emotions. Yeah, that's good. Um, that if they don't believe I'm not emotionally crushed and mm-hmm. I can't resolve, or I'm going to use my emotions to manipulate the conversation yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that the, takes practice. The hardest part is, though, when someone comes and they start to question something we really, truly believe. Yeah. That when it's like, oh, man, I hold Christianity mm-hmm. so dearly. Jesus has been a friend to me. He's been my greatest. Like, he has mm-hmm. been everything to me, and you're poking at it, and you don't believe in it. That mm-hmm. That's why people react in such emotional yeah. moments. Yeah. And so we understand that, but that is always harmful. Like, mm-hmm. we need to be able to, to have the maturity to slow down. Yeah to take the deep breaths and to try and enter yeah. in with passion and not just emotional bull charging yeah. around. Yeah. Can you keep your composure in mm-hmm. conversations? Yeah. yeah. 
And otherwise, That's just be, be really intentional in listening. I mean, James yeah. 1, 19 through 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to sleep, speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Mm-hmm. And so it feeds right off of that, that be, one of the ways you can curb your emotions is just listen well. Mm-hmm. Try and hear their heart. Try and hear their question. Try and weed through the, the nuances and some of the maybe like hurt that they're throwing at you because not mm-hmm. all the time will they be just passionate and not emotional. Mm-hmm. They might be emotional and they might say things that hurt. It's yeah. our job to be slow to speak, slow, quick to listen, don't get angry, mm-hmm. be, be patient. So Yeah, super good. And Last above one? all? Above all, actions speak louder than your words. Um, so James one twenty two says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so the best way that we can stand as a defense to what we believe is that our life reflects what we believe. So good. That's it. Above That's all. it. Above all, do what the word says. <laughs> I feel like we needed a little singing <laughs> song. Okay. We didn't. We haven't had one in well, a while. Well, it's because we don't. Have, we don't have Ben, and yeah. so without Ben, we lack the spontaneous the sing song. song. Yep. Yeah. And so I know that wasn't good. You guys don't have to send me <laughs> messages, but I wanted to give it to you. Just. Yeah. Just, just for the fun of ending the podcast. That's well, good. last week we got the rap, so. The rap? Yeah, when you opened up. Back on the Waste podcast. Oh, yeah, you kind of said it yeah. really rhythmically. All right, yeah, let's like. go. You guys know I got flow. <laughs> All right, anyways, peace out. We'll catch you later. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. Uh, yeah, that's it. See ya. Deuces. Bye.